Amen. Good morning, Rock family, and welcome. Welcome to the family room. It's good to see you guys. I've had a couple of weeks off, so I got about three and a half weeks worth of stuff to share. We're going to not waste any more time. We're going to get going. That wasn't a waste of time. I got a lot to share. I'm super excited. Thank you. Before I get started, thank you to Jerry for sharing what the Lord laid on his heart the last two weeks. What a word. If you guys have not listened to the last two weeks, they're available on like, I don't know, 14 different things online. You can listen to them. You can listen to them probably through your hair dryer or your electric toothbrush. There's so many apps that you can listen to it. Listen to them. They're awesome. Some of the best teachings I've ever heard. They're in the top five of my favorite teachings ever. So thank you, Jerry. Thank you. So full of encouragement and even some correction, but it was welcome correction that leads to growth. I was just so blessed the second and third time I listened to them. It's like, wow. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jerry, for being faithful and sharing. This morning, we're going to pick back up on the sower sows the word. And I've been like chomping at the bit to get to this week and then in two weeks, the next one about it. I've got so much that the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you all. Um, and some of it might be a little different than what you've heard regarding this passage before. And I want to, I didn't clarify this in the very beginning of this set of teachings. I don't want anybody to think that what I'm sharing is the end all be all. That's all that the Lord can show you from this passage. Don't ever anybody hear that this is all this is about. There's a lot of things, a lot of different layers. There's lines upon lines and there's layers to revelation. There's only one interpretation of Scripture, but there are many applications. We're talking about one of the applications this morning to the second soil type. I want to read a couple of verses before we get started. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. I've read it every week. We've talked about it. And we're going to keep reading it. There's some really important stuff just in this passage. Isaiah chapter 55, picking up in verse 10, reads, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it produce and sprout, providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the purpose for which I sent it. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. Without succeeding for the purpose which I sent it. The word of God will do its thing. Grace which is unmerited and unearned favor. Grace is what gives us access to the word. We just prayed, the Bible says, Paul wrote that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. That's through Jesus. Jesus is the person of grace. So his promises, this word is full of his promises. We have access to sow these promises in our hearts through grace. It's a free gift. You don't earn this seed. You didn't earn it, I didn't earn it, nobody's earned it but Jesus. He earned it, he said, I'm going to buy all y'all a bunch of seed. We have seed. It's available through grace. We choose to plant it by faith. To plant the seeds of God in the soil of our heart is a decision based on faith. It's based on believing something that we haven't seen. We've talked a lot about agriculture, we've got a few more Sundays to talk about it. But every farmer plants seed in faith. They don't think of it a lot of times as faith. Everybody's like, it's the greatest gamble on the planet because you put an entire whole pile of money into a field and it's just there in the dirt and we don't put a fence around it. We don't guard it and we don't 
watch it. We don't even check on it. Most farmers, when they go on vacation, is right after they get all their crops in the ground or get nitrogen on or wherever, somewhere in the year. It hasn't produced a harvest yet when most farmers go on vacation. Most farmers vacation during the growing season. I, we, got kinda, we got this point where we got to just let the soil and the seed do its thing with the rain and the sun. And so it's a faith, it's an act of faith to take all the seed and plant it in this ground and believe it's going to produce a harvest. It's going to at least produce what we put into it and believe in Jesus for more. So grace makes this available and faith sows the word. We've talked about this each week, but I kind of want to, this is just a, like a flyover review. The sower sows the word. Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the word. The word of God has tremendous potential contained in it. It is ours to sow the seeds of the word of God into our hearts and let them reproduce. This provides bread for the eater. We find sustenance for our lives through the harvest the word provides when sown. Jesus is the word and the bread of life. And we also get seed for the sower. The word can most effectively sown into, be sown into the lives of people around us after it has brought forth the harvest in our own hearts. You remember several weeks ago we looked at Genesis chapter 1 just a little bit and how when God created everything, he didn't create it so we had to keep creating every season. I got to go make him a whole bunch of new seeds. No, he said the seed is contained in the fruit. So as a plant bears fruit, the seed is contained therein. That's exactly how the Word of God is. It produces. We can't sow the Word of God effectively until it's produced a harvest in our hearts. That's a big word. We've talked about that a little bit, but I want to keep moving. The seed sown by the wayside, does everybody remember some of that? We talked about how the birds represent the enemy who comes only to steal the seed, kill or choke the plant, and destroy the harvest. The enemy has access only to the Word when it is on the surface. Once it's into our understanding and application state, he has no more access. Oftentimes, hurry and lack of intention lead to seeds being sown along the wayside. You guys remember the pictures of that? The, the seeds just laying on, those seeds are all gone now. There's no plant growing there. It's bare driveway. If you remember the picture, I spilled seed corn the day before I preached that. And so I took a picture of it, and it was laying in the just laying in the driveway, and they're all gone. They've all been plucked up and gone. There's no plant, no harvest. All of the money that I spent on those 75 seeds is gone. No harvest. Did not produce a harvest. Didn't even produce a plant. Now today, we're going to step into the next soil type. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Mark chapter 4. This is a passage that we've been talking, talking through um, I'm going to pick up, let's see, I'll just, I'm going to just start in verse 3, and we'll read through verse 6. Mark chapter 4, verse 3 says, listen, behold, this is Jesus speaking, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. If you still got your Bibles on mine, I got to turn the page over. We're going to go to verse 14 of Mark 4 and say, The sower sows the word. Verse 15, And these are the ones sown by the wayside. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. 
Verse 16, this is where we're at today. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony soil, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. If you look in the original text, you can see that word for stumble means wither, fail, or fade. There's a withering. Immediately they wither and fade. There's so much in this. I'm like, I'm full. I went through this, all these things, all of my notes and things I want to share, and I've reorganized them about seven times. You guys are going to get the eighth time. (laughs) Some of you got that. Verse 5 talks about how there is no depth of earth. This is a very common soil type among Christians today. And I have had much of this soil type in my three-acre field in my lifetime. I've had tons of areas of my life that I had no depth of earth. Now, you might think, what does it mean, no depth of earth? And I've done a little bit of research on this. I don't pretend to be an expert, but I've done a little bit of research. And the one, guy, the one uh, article that I read that was kind of talking about the area that Jesus was ministering in talked about how there's a bedrock soil. And we have bedrock here. It's just really, really deep. But where he was ministering right there, there's areas where the uh, topsoil is only an inch or two deep. And then you're to limestone or bedrock of some, some type. You're right there just below the surface. And me, this is a side note, but being the rock crusher that I am, I'm like, that'd be a perfect place to start a quarry. It would be a that's a side note. It has nothing to do with the scripture. I just thought it would be fun. You just, because then you don't have much topsoil. You just start blasting and crushing. It's not related to this, but that was not the point Jesus was trying to make. <laughs> he was talking about this soil type, the stony soil. So you got just a little bit of topsoil and then stone. What do you think that, what do you think happens there? So when it rains, all the moisture stays in that top inch or two because it's just limestone base underneath that. And it's not like crushed limestone. It's like solid shale sheets of limestone. So all the moisture stays in that top a little bit, which what do we know? Seed needs moisture. And then the second thing is that soil temperature rises faster. It rises real quick. You put a little bit of dirt on a rock and put it in the sunshine, it's going to warm up way quicker than if you put it on like 100 feet of topsoil or 100 feet of clay or whatever. Because all that heat will just transfer down through the soil, where in, on a stone, it's just going to radiate back up. This leads to when you plant a seed in this soil type, and you might be thinking, I came to church, not agronomy class. I'm not an agronomist, so we're almost done. What happens is the seed germinates quicker. There's plenty of moisture there, and there's plenty of heat. So it germinates really quick, and it grows. But what do you think that limestone is going to prevent? Depth of root. It will actually completely inhibit it. What will happen is that seed will germinate, and then the roots will just kind of grow out, go out for a little ways. But there's, they quickly, you say, well, they got all the moisture. Yes and no. In an inch of topsoil, how fast do you think moisture evaporates? Very quickly. It evaporates like almost, it rains one day and it's wet, and then by like later in the day, it's starting to dry out again. Where when you have deep soil with clay, there's, Moisture reserves down deep. And so you see, when you dig up a little plant of seed corn, that taproot just starts wandering down, 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 down. So it can draw on moisture when we got weeks like we're in right now and it's bone dry and there's no rain in the forecast. That seed corn's still drinking because it's down deep. Where in the 
application that Jesus is talking about, the second soil type, there's no opportunity for a taproot. We just need surface moisture. Surface moisture and surface heat, and then quickly it withers and dies. What is the application in this for us today? There's a lot of different perspectives. When seeds are planted in this environment, they germinate quickly due to the excess moisture and warm soil temperature. They sprout quickly and grow very quickly for a bit. But then they wither and fade and die just as quickly because they have no root of themselves. They have failed to establish a taproot down into the real moisture and nutrients so that when the sun and the wind and the rain come, and they will come, they have no basis to photosynthesize. Photosynthesis works. Let me read you a definition. This is from Britannica. I want to read this little definition of photosynthesis. The process by which green plants and certain other organisms transform light energy into chemical energy. During photosynthesis in green plants, light energy is captured and used to convert water, carbon dioxide, and minerals into oxygen and energy-rich organic compounds. Thank you, Britannica. I, I actually wrote like three different um, Isaac definitions of photosynthesis, and then I got to the second page of it, and I like, this is, I can't even follow it. So I just went with their definition. Very simple. What photosynthesis is, is a plant takes sunlight and, trans, and uses that sunlight to draw energy from the air, from the soil, from the moisture. It's a very, we're all like loosely familiar with it. Is everyone loosely familiar with it? Someone want to give like a really deep definition? Okay, we're good with it. So photosynthesis happens without a root system. Photosynthesis doesn't work. Works for a little bit. And then what would create photosynthesis to occur actually kills the plant. Causes it to wither and fade. I want to share just a little story about my cornfield last year. And then I want to, we'll keep going with this. I had a beautiful stand. I planted my corn real early last year, or earlier than I did this year. And I have a little tiny farm, very, very small. And so I planted my corn, and I went out and checked on it every night. And it was like, I, I remember going in and telling Melinda, I, man, I don't know if I've ever had this good of stand. It just looks great. It was, I mean, just coming up. Like it pushed through the surface, and it's just such a happy cornfield. And then all at once, I noticed it started to yellow, and we had gotten rain. I was so confused. It started to yellow when we had gotten rain. It was about the back third of my farm. So I called my seed guy. I'm like, what's, did you give me bad seed? What's wrong? And he's like, no, you know, maybe you're just a bad farmer. <laughs> I said, no, it's not that. So he came out and looked at it. He's like, oh, I don't know. And so I talked to a couple other people, and everybody had some speculation and some ideas. And one day I was driving down the road and I passed one of my best friends down, driving down the road and he actually farms for a living. That's like all he does. He's much better at it than I am. And I called him. I passed him. He was driving in, I don't know what he was driving, a piece of equipment. And I passed him and I called him. I'm like, hey, have you ever had anything like this? Never missed a beat. This guy's not an agronomist. He's just a very good farmer. He's like, it's an Asiatic garden beetle. I said, well, I've never heard of that. What is that? He said, well, what they do, the larva lays in the top of your soil over winter, and then when it warms up, 
He said, it warms up and they come to life at the exact same temperature that your seed germinates. And they're very hungry. So your seed germinates and the first thing a plant of seed corn does is sends out a root. It's the main root. It's the tap root. It's the lifeline for that plant. And that little bug, the first thing it encounters because it happens to hang out about that two-inch depth just like your seed corn, it's like, hey, that's growing. That looks tasty. I'll eat that. And they, eat all, they go through and they'll just eat the tap roots off of all your corn. He's, I said, well, how will I know what, if that's what it is? He said, go dig up three or four and you'll see an Asiatic garden bug there. Look them up online and you'll see what they look like. And the tap root will all be gone. Well, this guy's very smart. So I, I was quite certain he was right. I go back there, start digging up seed corn. 100% accurate what was happening. And you know, there was nothing I could do. There's no going back. There was no grace in that opportunity. The tap root was gone. Seed corn, it still had other little roots there. And that corn, I replanted it, and the replant stuff did really, really good. But this showed me a very important picture. And I bring that picture with, you, with me this morning to you. And it sat for a year, over a year now, I've sat with that. The importance of that tap root in my walk with Jesus. Getting that tap root down. Because what I saw was the rest of my field was getting the same sunshine as that third. And it was growing. It was dark green. It was rich, healthy, growing crop in the exact same sunlight that was killing, apparently was killing the back third. Because that back third didn't have a root system. So it grew and it yellowed and faded and eventually died. It ran out of moisture. See, I, I farm sugar sand, so there's not much moisture in the top, like four foot. That was a joke. There's moisture in the top four foot. You guys are very serious this morning. These little bugs had eaten all the taproot off and taken so much potential from those plants, and eventually it took their life. When we get a revelation from the Word of God, you, you may be sitting here this morning and you're thinking, where are we going with this? I don't want to farm. I have a job. I've got a life going. What are, where are we going? Let's land this. We're just, hold on. We got a few minutes left this morning. We're going to get to it. Plants with a nice deep topsoil to grow in will grow down deep before they begin to grow on the surface, and then they continue to grow down deep. So that when life or weather occurs, they transfer the heat from the sun and the wind and the rain and all the usable elements that are so important, they transfer them into a harvest. You see, without sunshine, your plants won't grow. But what did Jesus say in Mark chapter 4? He said, when the heat, when the sun comes, Mark 4, what is it, 4, 6? 4, 6 or 4, 7? But six, when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. How many of you know that that sun would have caused it to grow if it had a root? This is a paradigm we don't think about in this scripture a lot of times. A lot of times we just think, oh yeah, they don't have any basis, no root of themselves, which is true. But if they had a root, the same thing that caused it to wither would have caused it to grow. Do you see this? This is big. This is very, very big. You take a plant and you cut its 
taproot off, stick a plant right beside it that has a taproot, shine the sunshine on them, one of them grows, and one of them dies. Do you, anybody that heard the message last week, Jerry said something that dropped me and stopped me right in my tracks. He said, it wasn't the storm that destroyed the foolish man's house. And I was like, I was going to stand up and say, yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It's the same storm. One house stood, the other house fell. One plant grows, the other plant withers and dies. See, when we encounter the heat, the pressure of this life, when issues of this life, when we endure hardship for the sake of the word. Now, I have to be very, very careful here. I'm going to read what I wrote because it's a little clearer than whatever was about to come out of my mouth. There is a noteworthy difference between trusting God in trials. I want every, is everybody listening? Everybody awake? Everybody listening? There is a noteworthy difference, a difference worth taking note between trusting God in a trial or a tribulation and trusting God for trials and tribulations. Many people in the church today have allowed the enemy to turn this passage we're going to look at in James into a point of contention and division and are either on the side of trials are awesome, tribulation is amazing, it's from God and let's go find more. Or they find themselves seated securely in the camp that is based on the truth, this is a truth, that God is not the source of trials, but we turn it, therefore, anytime trials or tribulations come our way, we must be going the wrong way. Or somehow, we're out of God's protection, provision, and blessing. Neither one of these camps is what Jesus is talking about, and neither one of them is what James was explaining later on. You see, the difficulties, the sunshine that causes the plant to grow without a root system will cause it to wither. In our lives today, everybody that was almost zoned out, bring it back here. In our lives today, this looks like when someone shares a revelation from Scripture, it resonates with us. It, some, the Holy Spirit on the inside says, yes, that resonates. That aligns with the Word of God, and you see it resonate and align in the Word of God. And we go immediately to sharing it. The first opposition we encounter for the sake of the Word, immediately we begin to wither and fade. For instance, the Word says, and we talked about it this morning, we prayed about it this morning, we believed for it this morning, the Word says that by the stripes of Jesus... We are healed, have been, past tense, so currently are if we were. Sounds good. Let's run with it. Let's go tell everybody that we know that believes in Jesus that they can be healed. That we can be healed, they can be healed, everyone can have, has access to healing. Anybody done that? I'm going to keep my hand up because I have. You know what you meet with? Immediate scrutiny and sunshine. The sun shines so hot. You go to a bunch of believers or one believer or a couple of people at work or unbelievers and you start sharing a revelation that you've got from the Word of God that I am the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. To people that are earning their righteousness, that's offensive. And they, be, they turn the heat on. You see the heat begin to, you can see it sometimes in faces. It's like, ooh, this is going to get warm real directly. You think you're righteous? Now, 
If I stand to this believer, and I know they're, sometimes these are believers, sometimes they're not, a lot of times they are. You share with this believer, man, I'm the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. And they're like, who said you're righteous? Well, Pastor Jerry said it on Sunday. I heard it in a song. The, the guy on the radio, the, he was doing the thing, and he said something about the righteousness of God. Cre- and that, is that not? You think you're righteous? When did, what did you do last week? What have you thought? You think you're righteous? We're going to become righteous. We're not made righteous. I don't believe you. You're wrong. Ooh, well, you know what? I think Jerry's a nice guy, but I'm not going to tell anybody what he says anymore. I start to wither. And then what does it do? This is, this is huge, church. This is big. It begins to what? Cause doubts in your mind. You think, you know what? I'm not. I did think something really bad. I, did, I didn't honor somebody. I should, I, whatever the thing is, it could be a massive thing or a tiny little thing, but you begin to, I don't, you know, I don't know if I do believe in healing. They said we shouldn't. You know, they said, they immediately say, the word you get, you pray for healing for somebody, you share with somebody a word about healing, always, 100% of the time, what about, and they tell you a story where somebody didn't get healed. Or they ask you about a story that you know somebody didn't get healed. Everybody been there? If you've said anything about healing to more than like one other person, you've been there. So they, well, what about this? Give me an answer for why this person didn't get healed, and you better not say it's me. We, everyone, we, meet, this, we meet this heat. This heat comes. What, I, what I'm getting at, the thing, real simple truth that I want to share with you this morning is when we stand on a revelation from someone else, even from the Word of God, that has not grown down deep, that has not rooted itself down deep, the heat that the world puts on, the disagreement, the pressure, the questions, they grill you. What do you mean you believe that? If our answer, and this is, there's a, there's a truth in this, and I'm wrestling with how to navigate this this morning because the reality is the model that we're doing right now in the Christianity makes this ripe for the harvest. Because how many of you have time to be in the Word every day? Like, I know I don't. I've got too many important things to do. That was a joke. No one, please, no one believe. But how many of you actually have time? I, you know, I'd love to read the Word, but I don't have time. I'd love to come to men's group, but I don't have time. I'd love to come to the women's Bible study, but I don't have time. I'd love to bring my kids, but, you know, we got all the sports stuff to do. We got all these things to do. We prioritize all this stuff. We don't have time for the Word of God. But you know what we do have time for? We'll come to church. And church is good because the guy that stands behind the pulpit, he reads lots of verses, Sometimes whole chapters, and I don't really, I like to listen to all of it because it's very long, but he reads it, and so it's getting in my head. I should be fine. He says some cool catchphrase things, and they're shiny, and they, they, uh, they tweet really well, or they Instagram really well, or they Facebook post really well, and, and it's like, that's kind of good. Our model of walking as believers today is not the model that Peter, James, and John had. They had the model of, we'll go and follow Jesus, I guess. I mean, so we're just going to leave the life. I've got a job. Like, what about, the, what about the boat? Should we just leave the boat? I guess we'll leave the boat. And we'll just follow Jesus. So don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to do. Look, I've got it. The birds of the air. Look around. I'm doing great at taking care of things. Believe me for it. 
I'm not telling anyone to quit their jobs. I'm not telling anybody that we should go walk around in sandals. I'm saying the model of Christianity that we are walking today, it absolutely, it's like a hand and a glove fit for this kind of soil type where we hear somebody say something good on Sunday, we try it out Monday, we get smoked and it's withered and faded by the end of Tuesday because somebody asked you something that you didn't have an answer to because somebody said, well, I don't know if I agree with that. And we're not rooted and grounded in the word of God for the sake of the truth of the word of God because what I have found, very everyone will argue with everything you say But when you can say, Mark chapter 4, verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. It's not my opinion. Don't care what your opinion is. That's what the word says. The word says an exact scripture reference, two places, three places, six places, ten places that I'm healed. I asked an individual one time, we were discussing the topic of healing. He's like, I just don't know if it's God's will to heal every time. I said, I hear you, because I haven't seen it every time I believe for it. This is controversial because all of us know sick people. We just prayed for Susie, and Susie's rooted and grounded in the word of God. I don't have the answer for this, but what I do know, what I will not wither, I will not fade from, is that the presence of sickness does not negate the presence of healing. The word of God is the word of God, and it is true. And I shared with them, I said, they're like, I just don't know if it's his will to heal every time. I said, that's fine. So what scripture are you standing on for that? He's like, well, what do you mean? So I, 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 like, I have real people in life that, I haven't, that I've prayed for that I haven't experienced. I said, that's fine. That's fine to have your life experiences. I have my life experiences, but I want to know what scripture you're standing on to say that is a doctrinally sound belief system. But, you know, I'm not 100% sure. I said the reality, the truth, and it's only the truth that sets us free. It's not perception, it's the truth. The truth will set us free. And the truth is, no one is recorded in Scripture as coming to Jesus for healing and being denied. There's not one. No one comes to Jesus and he's like, I understand that you have a leprosy and I know that you missed that left arm and your toes are gone and that's unfortunate, but I'm being glorified, so tough it out. You'll be healed in heaven. That is not in Scripture. Every time they came, 10 guys come. And if, it's interesting, Jerry didn't talk about this a lot last week, but of the 10 that came, you know, the only one that came back, the 10 lepers came, for anybody that wasn't here, a little brief story, 10 lepers came to Jesus for healing. He says, you know, go show yourselves to the priest. So they left, and while they were going, they were healed. And there's an interesting little note in there that the, there's one of them came back. And the only one that came back was the Samaritan It wasn't even the Jews. It wasn't the ones that should have been like, we are pretty right with God. We've got this covenant. It was the Samaritans, which they, there's a whole other history. We've talked about all the history of Samaritans. But it's like, one of them came back. You don't see God, you don't see Jesus reach down and revoke those other nine. Not healed. They came to him for healing and they left healed. So the truth of the word of God is, that's his will. Now, I do know the will of God doesn't always play out in our day-to-day lives every time. 
Now, I just felt it get a little cooler in here. No one be offended. Because we know it says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we all know that people perish and don't repent. That tells me right there, real simply, with basic, simple analytic skills, that everything that happens is not the ordained will of God. We got to keep moving. I want to get into this passage in James real, real quick, and then we're going to land this plane. The same sunlight that will scorch and wither and kill a corn plant that has no taproot will cause one with a taproot to turn dark green and grow healthy and strong. And the same difficulties we encounter that without being rooted and grounded in the word for ourselves would cause our practical application of faith to wither and shrivel and functionally die if we are rooted and grounded in the word and we have a taproot down deep in the truths of scripture, they can actually cause our faith to flourish and grow stronger and healthier. So this revelation, the Lord kind of dropped into me on this, that when you, if that taproot was there, the sun would actually have propelled that seed corn to harvest. Does everybody agree with that? We've talked about it. I could show you pictures. I had lots of fun pictures when I was reading about photosynthesis. And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. I don't think I could land that one on the plane. <laughs> it was like, but everybody pretty comfortable with that. Sunlight will eat, if with no root system, the sunlight will kill a plant. With a root system, the sunlight will propel a plant. We all there. Everybody good. The same is true in our lives as believers. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. I'm going to turn there because I want to look at a couple of the other verses surrounding it also. I've got it in my notes, but I want to turn to it. So, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 reads, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Skip ahead to verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Just to be clear, let's read verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Now, we don't ever do this either, but circle back to the top of 12. We just read 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Back up to verse 12. One says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. So enduring something that's not from God, there's a blessing in it, but it's not from God. This is important because there's a thousand voices in the world right now saying that it's all from God. Blessed are the, is the man who endures, but let no one say that it is from God. That's like an Isaac paraphrase of those two verses. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variant, variation nor shifting shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. There's a blessing when we endure. There's a growth that takes place. But do not be deceived. It's not from God. 
the curse, the difficulty, the temptation, the trials, the issues of this life are not from God, but if we are rooted and grounded in the word of God, those difficulties will produce a harvest on the word of God. Count it all joy, verse 2 of James chapter 1, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I see a spiritual version of photosynthesis taking place in this passage of Scripture. Spiritual photosynthesis. My brethren, my little plant of corn, count it all joy when the sun comes out. Knowing that the sun takes oxygen and nutrients and all the stuff and produces a healthy plant in you. Now, this is, you may not like this scripture. I don't love, I don't love difficulties. And that's where there's a bunch of Christianity today that is often this, like, if there's, if I encounter something difficult, it must not be God's will for me to be there. I got to leave. I'll turn. And we let the, here's the thing, church. If we let the difficulties of this life guide us, where do you think they're going to take us? This is what we're talking about. We're marching along. I feel like the Lord told me to walk north. So I start walking north and I encounter some hardship and difficulty. Does that mean the Lord didn't call me to go north? No, but if I turn, I'll turn. I'll walk this way then. Oh, there's difficulty here. I'll walk this way. What does that start to look like? James talks about it. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When we root and ground in the word of God and we understand our commission to go into all the world to make disciples, you go through the gospels and you look at what Jesus gave his disciples instructions to do, do you think for a second that any of it is going to be without resistance in this world? You want to go heal the sick? And I've often wondered, why do people resent being healed? I don't understand it other than there's a deception involved. Why do people resent being discipled? Why is there opposition to discipleship? Because the enemy has swayed the entire earth under the deception and sway of the enemy. When we do what God called us to do, there's going to be storms and opposition. Our choice as believers, and this is I got one more scripture I want to read, but this is what I want to really convey to us this morning. There's a lot of Christianity that talks about the obligation of Christians. I want to talk about the opportunity. Everything that we have access to, you are not obligated to thrive in difficult times. Do you understand that? There is no obligation to thrive. You can fail and wither and wilt and everything else, and God is not angry with you. But we have a tremendous opportunity to take all of the issues of life, to take, you know, and we didn't even talk about this, but you know, there's a, such a thing in a, in a farmer's world of being, of having a wet year. I shared with somebody this morning, and I, I can't even remember who it was, it was a farmer that's significantly older than I am that shared with me one time, he said, uh, wet year will starve you to death and a dry year will scare you to death. And, and I think it's true because there's an issue with having too much moisture and crops can't grow. And there's issue with wind damage. I've had wheat fields that get wind damage and then you can't get a harvest. There's all these issues. But 
What we realize is if you take a healthy corn plant and you got a good root system on it, the rain system, the rain, you get lots of rainfall. If you got a good tap root, it actually provides drainage. You got a good root system and you get a bunch of wind issues, it strengthens that little plant so that someday when it's this tall and it's got a great big ear of corn hanging on it and the wind blows, it can stand. All of the issues that this little tiny plant seedling endure cause it to grow strong. And I'm not, again, I don't want to come off on the side of, well, we should go find more problems. The problems are static. They're just there. Walk out the door and there's problems. There's stuff going on. There's Life will hit you. The sunshine is shining. The heat is down on the plant. What my encouragement for us today, what my challenge, the thing that the Lord laid heavy on my heart for this passage of Scripture is that we encounter everything that we encounter with our taproot down deep, growing down deep, trusting the Word of God for moisture, trusting the Word of God for nutrients so that when the sunshine hits us, when we share somebody, we share with somebody, this is crazy, when you share with somebody that you've got to revelation of your righteousness. And they say, what, you think you're righteous? You say, it's not about what I think, it's about what the Word says. And you share passages of Scripture with them? This is crazy, church. You get the opportunity to plant seeds, because when you share the Word of God in that environment, in that situation, what is the Word of God? Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the Word. So you share the Word of God. Somebody says, I don't know if you're the righteous of God created Christ Jesus. You say, well, actually, according to the Word, I am. And you share. You pull out your Bible. Pull out your Bible app. You share. Right here it says, for you are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. You just sowed a seed. You stood, number one, because of the root system that you've established. You sowed a seed. You ate a little bit of it. You sowed a seed into someone else's life, and you grew a little stronger. We think of this life, we think of this faith walk as these, like, couple of really big services we went to, or a couple of really exciting teachings we went to, or like, I was at this one conference one time, and it was amazing, and I'm not against conferences, but the reality is, you look at how Jesus did discipleship, there's a few really big, high-powered things that you see, but most of his three and a half years of discipleship was like this. See that plant there? There's a truth in that. It has to do with our, us and our lives. He's just walking through life. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, day after day. I told my wife the other day, I said, I feel like that corn's growing by the minute because it's like 90 degrees. And it is growing, but you know, if you sit there and watch it, it's not. I did that for like 40 minutes the one day. I'm going to watch this corn grow. Didn't move. But if I go and I do life and I travel and I make phone calls and I have meetings and I go weld people's broken things together and I come back, it's like an hour and a half passes. Like, the corn's taller. Well, where were you the last 45 minutes? Do you see what I'm saying? This life is a line upon line life. It's a step upon step. It's It's this step, and then this step, and it's growing, little bit, growing. What Jerry talked about a month and a half ago or two months ago when he came up after our little question and answer, and he said, take one truth from the Word of God. Take one promise from the Word of God and grow down deep in it. Let your taproot feast on it. Get so strong that when someone says, are you sure you're the righteousness of God? Say, not because I feel it, not because you can even see it necessarily, 
Because the Word of God says it. The Word of God says it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. This is the last scripture. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This passage was on my heart as I was preparing for this week and then as we were singing this morning, it just overwhelmed me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did anybody have a time of singing hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord this morning? What a great time of worship. The part of this passage that is for this teaching is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We, there's a letting that has to take place. There's a letting that has to take place. This isn't about pleasing God, church. This isn't about, oh, there's condemnation if you're not doing this. No, it's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity. You want to walk through the storms of this life and grow? Because like Jerry talked about last week, the storms are static. There's difficulty. It's a fallen world. There's a, the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, he wants to steal the word from us if he can. He wants to kill the plants. He wants to destroy the harvest in our lives or in the lives of those around us. There's going to be issues. There's a decent quadrant of Christianity that is talking about, well, we're just not going to have any issues. That's, that's their thought. I, I mean, I'm not mad. At, I, like, we're going to have difficulties. That's not a promise. That's just the static condition of our world. In this life, you will have troubles. Jesus said that, I think, to clarify. We're going to walk in victory, but you know, this is just a fun little perspective. Everyone wants to walk in victory, but you know, the only time you can have victory is if there's a battle. <laughs> you don't win something if there's no battle. You can have victory when there's a battle, and there is a battle. So the battle is here. The battle is static. The issues are here. The sun is going to shine on the plant of the Word of God in your life. You sow the Word of God in your heart, I guarantee, church, or you allow someone else to speak the Word of God to you, the sun will shine. That's guaranteed. Our choice, our opportunity is to root down so deep in the Word of God. To take, if you hear somebody say something, whether it's on a podcast or an online teaching or here on Sunday morning or something you read, before you go Twitter public with it, before you share it with someone, let it grow. Let it grow deep. Grow it down deep in the Word of God. I have a friend I go to for a significant amount of wisdom. And I've asked him different times about truths in the Word of God. And this dude, is, he's super quiet and super humble. And I'll say, oh, what do you think about this? I'll text him something, <clears throat> call him or see him somewhere, and I'll ask him something about it. Almost always, I would say always, I'm, I gotta, I'm sure I'd be off if I said always, Almost always, you know what his response is? I'll have to sit with that for a little. You've been walking with the Lord for like 15 years more than I have. You're like in the word far more, like, can't you just answer? 
I had to sit with, I had to sit with that for a little bit. I'll, I'll let you know. We'll keep in touch. I'll let you know. And he always does. It's not like, but it's like that depth. He's, he's unwilling to jump up and start sharing something without, I got to check my root system on that. I want to see where, the word, where we're at in the word on that. And then I'll get back to you. I'll let you know. This, is, this all fits together. You know, church, we've been talking a lot about um, process, not despising the process. In 2021, we do not have six and a half minutes for someone to make our sandwich. It's like, let's go. I just paid you $7.50. I want my sandwich, and I want it now, and I want it perfect. Perfect and now. We don't have time to walk into a bank and sit there and fill out a paper and withdraw. It's like, no, I want to be able to drive through. I don't want to have to hang up the phone and I want to just like touch the screen and it knows what I want. This is the world that we live in. We do not have time to let the word of God grow down deep in us. Is there a way we could get just a real quick word, something that's like pretty going to stand and I could just post it on my little Twitter thing or my Instagram? I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm just like, or I could just share it with somebody like, hey, I went to church, check out this cool quote. This isn't a cool quote thing. This is a walking with Jesus thing. This is a hand in hand thing. This is a asking Jesus questions throughout the day. You know, we can ask Jesus questions. There's a process in this whole thing that allows us, as Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. I love that picture of richly. It's that taproot growing down deep. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Grow down deep so that when the heat comes and the storm comes and the rains come in this life, which are static, we just lean on that root just a little more. We draw more nutrients from that word of God. We stand strong. We sow seeds in those around us that seek to bring opposition. We wind up being able to sow seeds in their lives. We have the opportunity to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, to grow down deep, thereby equipping us with everything that we need to not only survive the heat, but to actually thrive. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have to come together to worship you this morning, to open your word and to hear truths from it, to, to discuss um, the plant life metaphor of the word of God in our lives. Thank you, Father, that all of creation reflects you, reflects the truth of your word to us. Just like a reflecting pool will show you your face, thank you that everything in creation reflects the word of God, reflects the truths of the word of God. Thank you that we can look into the perfect law of liberty, into the word of God, we can see who we are in you. You give us everything that we need for life, for righteousness, Thank you for the equipping that we have the opportunity to participate in. Father, I pray a blessing and a hedge of protection over this body. As we go from this place, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray a blessing over this family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.